This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, Jimmy, out along with Matt Humans on the Sports Better's Paradise, talking college football handicapping in a two and two week uh, for you last week. Uh, Matt, our uh, hey, our NCAA handicappers, nine games over five hundred uh, for the season, fifty six percent, not bad at all. So uh, our buddy Paul Stone uh, bouncing back with a three and a week, including outright winner uh, for Navy against uh, East Carolina. Well done there. Matt, you and I went uh, toe-to-toe, and it was down to the wire in Nayland Stadium last week. And, well, if that dude throws a 436 for Florida against me, I just got to tip my hat. I mean, <laughs> Richardson threw for 436 against Tennessee. Uh, the, the atmosphere was awesome. I mean, it was just um, – it, it's a hungry, proud, resource-rich uh, program that is just just real hungry right now. And, you know, they were trying to exercise some demons against Florida. Horrible, horrible game management. Get, get Billy Napier a card. I mean, get him a chart. I mean, I, I don't know about that because that really puts some um, – depending on what you had, and it, all of the numbers were right around 10 and a half, 11, 11 and a half. Uh, so – he really uh, played a factor, and then they get the onside kick at the end. And had he just kicked the two extra points, he's in position to kick a field goal, attempt a field goal uh, for the tie. Other observations uh, from last week, another wild one in college football, Matt. Yeah, that was a coin flip result in terms of the point spread. You're right about that. I had <laughs> I had Gators plus 10.5 in a contest. I had them plus 11 and 11.5 in my pocket. So you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to figure out that you don't go for two when it's an 11-point game. Are you trying to cut it to nine? And I think uh, one of the things, the, one of the knocks, the criticisms of uh, Billy Napier before he got that job was the guy's a poor game manager, a poor clock and game manager. And, you know, it's nothing new. We see it in the NFL every week. So um, I had a friend who asked me what I thought of the Florida hire. He was a Florida graduate last year. I said, well, could be a good hire, but the guy's a, a poor game manager, and you're not going to get away with that in the SEC. Uh, he got away with it at a lower level, but at the SEC, there's going to be a lot of heat on him when he makes those mistakes. Why the hell do you go for two when you're down 11? Who knows? And uh, you know what was disappointing, too, was the commentators on that game, Brad Nessler and Gary Danielson, didn't say a word at the time until they came back from commercial and obviously the producers said, Hey, you got to bring this up. You know, this is a big mistake by Napier. And then they bring it up after the commercial. How do you not talk about it at the time? That's an egregious mistake. Anyway, uh, last week when I said that, Will Richardson's got to make a few big pass plays. You, you, you mocked me. Openly yes, mocked I did. I absolutely. Show. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stay with that mock. I, that, that's an outlier. I'm sorry. He, I mean. he, he uh, he did make a few nice throws. He's not going to be 
he's not the type of guy who's going to be. I don't even ever see him developing into a Jalen Hurts type of player who really has improved as a passer. I don't think Will Richardson has that type of ability. But it still stuns me that uh, Mel Kiper Jr. has him as rated rated the number four quarterback prospect in next year's draft. How can a guy who's that poor as a passer be the number four uh, quarterback prospect in the draft? I, I don't get it. But anyway, got away with that one. I did not get away with uh, Wisconsin. That's one of the worst plays I've had all year. And that, that game was over, I would say, midway through the first quarter. They had no uh, Badgers had no hope, and that was that's a Wisconsin team that had been favored in 24 consecutive games, uh, get, getting 19 at kickoff, and is out of the game midway through the first quarter. And Mitch Moss of uh, Vsin is a Wisconsin guy, and I was talking about him, uh, talking about this with him this morning. Uh, I don't like to call for coaches' jobs when they have a you know pretty solid winning record and they run a good program, but I think. It might be time for Wisconsin to start to look around and say, hey, we can do better than Paul Christ. And this is what bothers me, Jimmy. It was a 21-0 game. Wisconsin's got a fourth and one out around the 40-yard line. Defense is getting no stops. Jim Leonard's defense was getting no stops at all. you got to you got to control the ball and let your defense rest and show some balls, right? Gamble a little bit on fourth and one. Show some faith in your offense that you can pick up one yard. You're down three touchdowns. And it's late in the first quarter, and he punts. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want a coach like that. I have no interest in having a, a coach like that who's surrendering in the first quarter of a big Big Ten game like that. So, I think Wisconsin's got to be looking around. David Shaw at Stanford is this guy getting close to the end of the line too? Uh, Stanford's program is an obvious decline. A couple of the mistakes I made there last week. I did have a winning college football weekend for the first time in three weeks, but. Uh, those were two bad plays last week. I'll try to do better this week. Only thing, Matt, um, be careful. Do you want to be Nebraska as Stan, uh, as Wisconsin? I mean, it's not a given that that program is immune to, you know, dipping right. down. And uh, I know you and I are old enough to know that they were a horrible program for a long, long time sure. until Barry Alvarez kind of turned things around and kind of, you know, extended it to Bielema Christ and kind of kept it in the family tree. Um, they, it's not exactly a resource. Um, it's good high school football, but it is what it is. It's big linemen. That's what they do. They're going to play good defense, sound defense, but they're going to lack playmakers for the most part. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I understand when you get that close and this is what has happened with other programs. No, where we're close, but we want more. We, we, you know, and, and they have been right there for how long? You know, sort of that nine and nine and two, nine and three uh, type of program. But just be careful uh, what you ask for, because it's not a given that they're just going to rip off eight, nine wins every year, no matter what. Well, I think if the if the right coach is out there, that's what I'm saying. It's something that if if I'm Barry Alvarez, I'd be looking around, thinking about, yeah, maybe we can upgrade, maybe we can do better. Uh, but it's just something to think about because Paul Chris, he's either going to have to change his approach. Or uh, something's got to change because that's sick. You know, you're down twenty-one nothing. You got fourth and one. How do you send out the punter when you're out the forty-yard line? You're just giving up. You're giving up at that point. And, uh, and, know, and I that- went back, Jimmy, even to the 2020 season. I started to think about this because Wisconsin was blown out last year by Michigan, blown out by Notre Dame. You know, this didn't happen to Wisconsin teams in the past to just get destroyed in big games like this. You go back to the 2020 season. 
Wisconsin lost back-to-back games to Northwestern and Indiana and scored a total of 13 points. So this program has been on the decline for the past couple years, and uh, I think uh, something's got to change here. Anyway, I'll, I'll move on from that one, but uh, I think it's it's a, a relevant topic this week because Wisconsin's former coach, Brett Bielema, comes back to Madison with Illinois, and there's been a little bit of sharp money on the Illini. That was a game, a play I had written down as a possibility when Illinois was getting more than seven points, but that number's dropped a little bit here in the past couple days, so I'm probably not going to play it, but something uh, to watch this week. And uh, and and also part of that, uh, you know, when you're looking at, all right, is Ohio State capable of sort of this explosive type of offensive performance? Uh, I'll just promise you, just forget week one when you're still handicapping. That that game against Notre Dame, I mean, a lot of times you see the offenses behind. Uh, and uh, let's face it, they are they're looking different, a different looking offensive unit uh, right now. Let's look at uh, go to Pac-12 and. Oregon State was a live one. That was a sharp play. Uh, I had it last week as well. And, uh, and Cash could have won uh, the game uh, leading in the last two minutes, and USC finally puts together a drive. USC plus four in the turnover battle. Again, 14-0 for the season. Uh, part of that equation, it's not all luck because Caleb Williams is protecting the football uh, as the quarterback uh, for USC. But uh, Oregon State now goes to a really tough place to play, and that's Salt Lake City. Utah's been really good. They kind of took care of business against Arizona State uh, in Tempe last week, winning and covering easily. This is a double-digit number now against Jonathan Smith's crew, and Oregon State has been uh, has been playing really well. So, Are they undefeated against the spread, Matt, so far? Uh, Oregon State, I believe, is, yes. Yes, because yeah. uh, the Beavers won that. Uh, coin flip game at Fresno State on the last play of the game blew out Boise in the opener, and right. uh, three, and one, three and one right now after the uh, game against USC won a cupcake game the week before that. I ended up on Oregon State last week too. I was waffling on it a little bit with them when I was on with you uh, last week, but I ended up jumping on that side. And uh, like you said, the Beavers had the lead with a minute fifteen to go, and that's despite Chance Nolan, the quarterback, throwing four picks. If you had told me before the game that Nolan would throw four picks, I never would have bet on Oregon State. You know, but that's, uh, I think, a reflection of how well that team played in general last week. When you could be down in turnovers like that and still be up in the game with a minute and a half to go against USC, Caleb Williams was 16 for 36, 180 yards passing. And uh, I, I said before the season, I thought there was only two or three uh, Pac-12 defenses that could probably handle USC's offense this year, and Oregon State was one of them. Uh, Utah is another. So you're going to have two of the best defenses in the Pac-12 go head-to-head here. And uh, I, I thought this number was a little bit high, so I took the 10.5 with Oregon State. One thing about Utah, it's been a slow starting team in the first half. And the Utah offense suffered a big setback this week, Jimmy. Brent Kaith, uh the team leader in receptions, a tight end, senior tight end, Blew out his knee, and he's done for the year. Uh, Kyle Whittingham called that, quote, a big blow to the offense. So I think uh, a little bit of a setback for the Utes. And uh, you catch Oregon State off a game where the quarterback was sloppy, but the defense was uh, sensational. I think the Beavers hang in this one. By the way, they beat Utah a year ago. The Beavers also went on the road and beat USC a year ago. This Oregon State team can hang with or beat anybody in the Pac-12, and I'll take the double-digit dog. 
All right. Uh, yes, they are. They're 3-0 and uh, against the spread. 4-0 if you count uh, Montana State. But right. they're 3-0 and against uh, FBS uh, competition. Moving on to a team that has not covered the spread. It's not cashed a ticket yet, and that's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, Frost is out. Mickey Joseph is in. They're, uh, they're hosting Indiana. Indiana won that Friday night game in controversial fashion against Illinois, 23-20. to yeah. uh, But uh, if not... Uh, and then beat Idaho 35-22, Western Kentucky by three, and then got beat this past weekend by 21 at Cincinnati. Nebraska six-point favorites at Lincoln. Up to six now. Okay, it was five this morning when I looked at it, and uh, guess what? Circus Sports in Vegas opened this Nebraska minus two. Uh, I was really surprised at how low that number was uh, because I, I made this number six and a half, so – I guess I, I could still recommend it as a play where it is now. Uh, I played it early, but I like the Cornhuskers here. They had a week off last week, Jimmy. They got embarrassed by Oklahoma, 49-14. to 14. If you watch that game, it felt even worse than that score because uh, the Sooners really called off the dogs. They probably could have scored 70. So I'm not sure this Nebraska defense is going to get fixed. Defensive coordinator has been fired uh, by Mickey Joseph. Uh, that's probably not going to fix the problem. So the Nebraska defense is not going to come up with a lot of stops here. But uh, I think you get the Cornhuskers' best effort. Uh, he, Mickey Joseph and the coaching staff is going to convince these guys, hey, the season's not shot. We can still turn this thing around. Uh, Nebraska does have some winnable games left on the schedule. I think the bye week is going to be a really good thing for Nebraska. As far as Indiana goes, I'm just going to fade this team, Jimmy. Hoosiers should have lost to Illinois on that Friday night. Brett Bielema screwed up that game. Um, they were down at halftime to Idaho. They should have lost to Western Kentucky. Uh, I rate Indiana the third worst team in the Big Ten. And also, don't forget, this is a Nebraska team that does have talent. We A lot of people were hyping up this Huskers team before the season. And um, I, I, it's, a, it's a team that has a season win total, by the way, of seven and a half. So I'm not going to give up on Nebraska. I thought it was a buy-low spot. I thought the circuit opened the number way too low at minus two. Still lay the six here. I think you get, a, uh, like I said, a big effort from Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska, maybe the folks at Circa, when they opened up that Oklahoma line, 16, and it was bet down. <laughs> they, maybe, maybe they're playing with the house's money and the Huskers. Well, so. they, they definitely got that one right. Yeah, so, um, all right, uh, let's get back to the SEC, and I'm still trying to figure out how Texas A&M beat Arkansas. Well, I can figure it out the same way that uh, Auburn beat Missouri. Quit freaking reaching out the ball near the goal line, except except for when it's fourth down. So it cost two teams the game there. Still had a last-second field goal to take the lead with uh, just over a minute to go. A&M, uh, remember all that uh, back and forth between Saban and Jimbo Fisher in the summertime? Well, guess what? They're the primetime game on CBS the following week. So they had an emotional game against uh, Arkansas where the crowd was 50-50, came down to the wire. They got Alabama on primetime, uh, CBS, the following week. All of this for a team that's averaging just 21 points a game near the bottom uh, in scoring. And let's sleep a little trip here to Starkville, Mississippi. Mississippi State is minus four at home at Descott Field. Yeah, this number was uh, three, three and a half, but I still like Mississippi State here. Uh, you know, K.J. Jefferson made a huge mistake in that game to really turn it around. You talked about it. It was like 
he took a Superman dive from the three-yard line with the ball and reached the ball out. What are you doing? Uh, so the, the fumble goes the other way and completely turned that game around. I still uh, don't think much, a lot. I don't think a lot of this A&M team, let's put it that way, because you know, they're not, Aggies are not bad. They're just not what they've hyped, been hyped up to be. And now an anemic offense loses uh, maybe its best NFL prospect. Anias Smith, the uh, wide receiver, top wide receiver for A&M, is out with a leg injury. So I think that's a, a setback for the Aggies offensively. And um, I've watched Mississippi State a few times, and I was on LSU against Mississippi State in Baton Rouge a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that game did not start not start out so well uh, for the Tigers, but LSU rolled back to win 31-16. The one thing I've been impressed, this is a better Mississippi State defense I think Mike Leach has had uh, on a lot of his teams. And with Will Rogers and the way that the um, Bulldogs can throw it around, uh, I think A&M's defense is going to be tested so far. Because if you look, <clears throat> I know Paul Stone was on with you every week, and I heard him on a show last week bragging about, you know, how tough the A&M defense is. If you look at the opponents A&M has faced so far, really has not, they have not faced an offense that can throw the ball or throw the ball really well. And that's what they're going to face this week in Mississippi State. So I'm not convinced this A&M defense is that great. I know you got some four- and five-star guys up in the front seven, but you got to prove to me that you can stop the pass and a very good passing team at that in Mississippi State, and I have my doubts. I just don't think A&M, especially when you're facing an offense that can put points on the board, I don't think A&M has any chance to match scores. And I like this Mississippi State defense. I think this is a a really good spot uh, for the home favorite, and I think it's a tough spot for A&M off that Arkansas game and what A&M's got on deck. I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State wins this game, you know, by double digits. Even when we talk about Appalachian State, their running team, you know, uh, this year. And, uh, you know, it's a, what you have to do against at Mississippi State, uh, the passing attack with thir- third-year starter, you got to play smart zone. And uh, that's something that the LSU was able to do and turn that game. Once they fell behind 13 nothing, they outscored Mississippi State 31-3 to to end the game, stopping State on three of four, fourth and ones uh, in that game. So a lot of zone uh, in that with tight zone, you know, not giving up anything underneath. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure if A&M is going to be up. But this is this is way uh, Miami and Arkansas way more conventional uh, than a Mississippi State. So we'll see. I think it's a sleepy spot here for uh, Jimbo Fisher in his Texas A&M Aggies. They know that Alabama. All all of those uh, those four and five stars know that they are more excited to play in, in uh, Tuscaloosa than they are in uh, oh, in Starkville. And Jimmy, don't forget about the Miami game. Uh, the Hurricanes were without their top wide receiver in that game, and uh, I don't know what's happened to Tyler Van Dyke, but he's just not playing the same, and he's he's already been benched. I I, I, I got I got a suggestion. It's okay. called Mario. Mario Cristobal. I, I've got a suggestion why he's <laughs> going backwards. So, I mean, this is the same guy that handcuffed uh, Justin Herbert in college. Oh, yeah. So, some other some other notes. Um, Matt, um, uh, Maryland, I was surprised how they, they – um, they competed up front with Michigan. I mean, they were getting some push on their running plays. They were uh, Tua, you know, missed a little Tua, went out with some uh, with an injury and missed some time there and affected his play. Uh, but they went toe to toe with Michigan and especially kind of up front. They wore down as the, that that sort of impressed me. 
um, your your team or your local team, UNLV, they win again, but plus six in a turnover battle uh, yeah. against uh, against Utah State. So maybe looking to fade uh, UNLV as a, maybe a little bit of a misleading score uh, in that one. And uh, it's just some uh, some other notes uh, in uh, college football. Uh, uh, that, that that what you said. Yeah. Listen, this kid from Kansas is legit, man. There are people that call running quarterbacks dual threats. He's super accurate. He can run. He again accounts for five TDs. He's something else. You know, I, I've got Kansas written down as a potential play this week against Iowa State. That's not uh, one I've jumped on yet, but um, obviously uh, I work on these throughout the week and usually come up with a lot more plays by Friday and Saturday. But Kansas is legit. Lance Leipold's going to get a big job. There's no doubt about it. Uh, as far as the games you mentioned, the one thing I am uh, happy about is I did not bet Michigan State the last two weeks. And I know a lot of sharp bettors who did, who were taking the points in the game at Washington, who were taking the points last week at home against Minnesota in East Lansing. Uh, when I worked on the Big Ten preview for VSIN, I said, I don't think this Michigan State team is going to be very good. You, know, you lose Kenneth Walker, but you lose a lot more than that. And I'm not uh, the highest – on uh, Mel Tucker as a coach. And uh, we're starting to see the Spartans team surrender early in the season. It's kind of sick what's happened. They were getting blown out of uh, Washington, and they essentially got shut out at home last week by the Gophers. As far as Maryland, I agree with you. I was really – I have upgraded Maryland for sure. I think this team is uh, better at the line of scrimmage, much better than it has been in the past. And, uh, hey, the Terps – not only went toe-to-toe with uh, the Wolverines in Ann Arbor, I think they put a scare into them as well. Uh, so I've definitely upgraded Maryland. Uh, I did not play that game yet this week, but uh, there's no way I'd play Michigan State, I can tell you that. As far as UNLV, Rebels do look a lot better. They get better quarterback play. They get some playmakers. Marcus Arroyo, who's the offensive coordinator for Cristobal at Oregon. Marcus Arroyo played a big part in holding back Justin Herbert. Uh He's finally cut this offense loose, and the Rebels look better. But, man, Utah State's another team you have to downgrade severely from the start of the season. That was a Utah State team that was pretty good at the end of last year and looks really, really bad right now. Aggies got blown out by Weber State a couple of weeks ago and then losing home to UNLV. I'll tell you the game that a game that really intrigues me is uh, Iowa as a home dog against Michigan. I'm not fully buying into this Michigan team. Uh, I, I think they're pretty good. They're not elite. They're nowhere near elite. Uh, we saw what happened in the college football playoff last year. I think it would be worse if the Wolverines made it this year. Uh, can you take ten and a half with the Hawkeyes as home dogs? I got a friend who was trying to talk me into it yesterday, and I said, yeah, I don't know if I can get there this week with the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> a win over Rutgers is not exactly uh, going to push me over the top here. But that's the type of game in the in the past I would play for sure. I'm just not sure if the Hawkeyes got enough firepower. If they fall behind in this game, that you know, then it wouldn't get ugly. I don't. Uh, I hate to put my faith in this uh, Iowa offense, but that's a spot I, ha- I probably will consider a little bit this week is Iowa as a double-digit dog because I don't think Mich- um, excuse me, I don't think Michigan is what it's hyped up to be either. Well, I, Iowa. Uh, the only thing I would uh, say, beware of. You know, they win twenty-seven to ten over Rutgers, but still only two hundred seventy-seven total yards yeah. and a plus three, plus three in a turnover battle. You uh-huh. know, three to zero 
against Rutgers. So kind of fell their way uh, as well. But 42 hey, and a half seems like 84 when you're talking about <laughs> Iowa. I mean, that is that is a big old number. All right, uh, let's get going this week again. Matt's got Oregon State plus 10 and a half uh, at Salt Lake City. They've been really good uh, this year. Jonathan Smith, boy, administration was patient. He redshirted his entire first recruiting class, and it's just been building and building. What a job he's done. How bad were they? Uh, when he first took over. Nebraska looking to cash a ticket for the first time, minus six against Indiana at home, and Mississippi State at home, minus four against Texas A&M. For Matt Humans, I'm Jimmy Ott. This is Sports Betters Paradise, the Bet Rivers Network.